I want to begin reading in the 34th verse of Mark chapter number 6. Very familiar text that we're going to read tonight. Verse 34, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and the time, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they did eat of the loaves. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. Very familiar text. This passage is found in all four Gospels. Every one of the gospel writers has a little bit of a different viewpoint, but they're all in perfect agreement, amen? Our Bible is without contradiction. Matthew and Luke seem to focus on the miracle itself, which is good. John seems to give us some theological significance. It has a very spiritual meaning. In fact, we might turn there real quick. Hold your place. John chapter 6 John points out the miracle that Jesus performed and John goes on to say that Jesus is the bread of life. So Jesus fed 5,000 men the bread, amen, of those five loaves and two fishes. But then when you look at the text in John, he begins to speak about Jesus being the bread of life. In verse 31, our fathers, this is the people speaking, our fathers did eat manna in the desert As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You remember that story about Moses. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is like, or excuse me, the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Let's skip down to verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness... And are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, 
He shall live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Amen. We'll go back to our text. Jesus is that bread, amen. Looking back to the children of Israel in the middle of the wilderness, they were hungry and God provided that bread, amen. Jesus is that bread of life that came to break the bondage of sin and set us free and save our souls, amen. Mark seems to stress another angle. We've talked about the bread of life theologically. We talked about the miracle itself. Mark seems to stress the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ, the selfless servant of Almighty God. Jesus didn't come to feed the hungry, just the hungry. He came to save the soul. Amen? And so he supplies all our needs. He said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Thank God for that. Now, we're going to preach on this thought then tonight. The miracle meal or the miraculous Meal. We want to preach on the miraculous meal. Number one, I want us to see in this passage, Jesus is amplifying his passion. You remember he told his disciples they'd gone out two by two. They came back weary and tired. Victory after victory, triumph. They were sharing. They were worn out. Jesus said, come ye apart to a desert place and rest a while. And they were going to that desert place to rest a while. And the people on the uh, shoreline saw them. They outran them and they caught up to where they were. And so when they step off of the boat, they all saw Jesus. They weren't paying attention to those 12 preachers that was getting off the boat with him. They all saw Jesus. And verse 34 says, when Jesus came out, what does that mean? He's stepping off of the boat. He's coming onto the shoreline. He saw much people. And the Bible says he was moved with compassion. Now, we know that there's 5,000 men. Didn't tell us how many women. Didn't tell us how many children. Probably maybe like 20,000 people. But Jesus has compassion on them as they're like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep are helpless. They can't provide for themselves. They cannot protect themselves. They have no defense. They have no real sense of direction. They they have been basically abandoned, if I can say that, by their religious leaders. The chief priests have no heart for the people of God. They, they are fleecing them, if I can say that, about the sheep. And Jesus sees these people as directionless, as helpless. Nobody really care for them. And, and they've been taken advantage of. They've been uh, abused, uh, spiritually speaking, abandoned. And Jesus has love for them. And he's moved with compassion for them. And the Bible says, look at the end of verse number 34, that he began to teach them many things. Note with me, before he ever fed them physically, he fed them spiritually. What did he feed them, preacher Danny? He fed them the Word of God. Are we feeding people the Word of God? If Bethel is going to major on anything, it should be on teaching and preaching the Word of God. I said, Pastor Darren, that's not enough. Honey, it's more than enough if we would major on the Word of God. We see the good shepherd is feeding his sheep. Amen? Uh, that's a good question. So, number one, we see his amplifying of the passion that he has. He's getting louder. He's teaching the Word of God. Second of all, 
I want us to see that he begins to assess the problem. Look at verse 35 again. When the day was far spent, Jesus has been teaching. He's been teaching almost all day long. The disciples came to him and says, This is a desert place. The time is far past. Look what the next word says. Send them away that they may go to the country round about and into the villages that they may buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. Notice with me that it is not the people that are saying, Lord, provide a miracle and give us something to eat. Not the people. It was the disciples. And the disciples weren't saying provide us some miracles. The disciples were saying send them away. We've come to a desert place. We want to rest. We want relaxation. We need some vacation. Now, here they are bothering us, bothering us. They're not bothering them at all. They're after Jesus. But the disciples make a decision, send them away. So it's interesting to me uh, that the disciples, Jesus says to in verse 37, he says, then give ye them to eat. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> How are you going to feed you 12 disciples 20,000 people. Uh, Philip says, well, 200 pennyworth. Maybe he's the bean counter, knows what's in the bag. I don't even know if there was that much, but he said 200 pennyworth. One penny or one denarius was worth one day's wage. 200 days, 200 days wages is probably what, six months? They probably don't have six months wages in the bag. I, I dare say they probably don't. But, but Philip says 600, uh, 200 days of wages Six months of wages is not enough to feed them that everybody would have just a little. So all of a sudden, they've got a problem. I want to say this to you tonight. What if you and I uh, were tonight, here I am, I've got to feed the many of you that's here the Word of God. And I'm just going to say, I've studied, I've prayed, I've prayed, and I've studied. I've prepared, I've spent hours pouring myself into this Scripture. Did you know what? I'm insufficient to teach it. I cannot bring it to life if the Holy Spirit doesn't energize and breathe power upon the words. I'm not an entertainer. I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm not here to motivate you, amen. I'm here to preach to you the passage from the good word of God. And these people, these disciples, have a problem feeding all these people. There's at least three problems that I see here. First of all, they have a problem of insufficient time. Verse 35 says that it is a... That the time is now far past. The daylight hours are growing old. The clock is working against them. How many of y'all know tonight that the clock is not in your favor? Old time, tick, 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 is ticking against you and he's ticking against me right now. And, the, and, and most of these people, they've not just stood there all day and heard him teach, but they've probably walked. No telling how many miles the the, the lake is eight miles long. Maybe they did they walk eight miles? Did he walk four miles? I mean, imagine you going on an eight-mile walk. You're gonna be just a little bit tired, and then you've heard a preacher not preach 30 or 45 minutes or an hour. You heard him preach for hours on end. And now the day is past. The disciples don't have their pockets are empty. They can't go out and beg or, or, or work up more money or raise more money. Time is working against them. May I say, church, that tonight time's working against us. The end is drawing nigh. Jesus is coming again very soon, very shortly. Time's working against us, and we need to get busy. Also see that the crowd 
is in an inconvenient place. So, so the problem of insufficient time and the problem of an inconvenient place. The Bible says that they're not by Walmart. The Bible says they're not close to Ingalls. Uh, the Bible tells us that they're in a desert place, a place of isolation, a place that is remote, a, a place that they are not able to go out and do whatever they want to. May I say to you tonight that Spruce Pine is not the big city, and I'm glad, amen. Hey man, thank God for it. And we may not be able to do things very quickly here. In fact, when I first moved here 22, 23 years ago, uh, somebody told me, said they don't have, the paper comes in a week late. They have to pop the sunshine in. That's what people were saying about Spruce Pine when I moved. You have to pop the sunshine in, preacher. I don't know what on earth you're going to do when you get over there. You're going to be, a, I mean, my own family said, I would never do what you're doing. You've lost your mind. Why would you take your family from a perfectly good church, from a perfectly good area, and move all the way to North Kakalaki, Spruce Pond, North Carolina? I said, here's the thing. God didn't ask you to do it. He told me to. I'm not asking you to understand it. He told me to do it, amen. And sometimes you look around and may say, well, it's Hicksville. Hey, I love Hicksville, amen. It's where I grew up back in Henderson County many, many years ago. And I love it, thank God. Y'all ought to be shouting right there, amen. I love the mountains of western North Carolina, amen. Thank God for that tonight, amen. A remote location. There's a third problem. It is inadequate resources. Phillips already named it. 200 penny worth of bread is not enough for everybody to have just a little bit. Here, here's the thing. All of these problems indicate a lack of faith on the disciples' part. You see, the problem is not feeding the multitude. The problem is the disciples don't have faith. Let's think about it. These boys, Richard Darren, men, okay, these men of God have been with Jesus every single day for three years or so. They have seen him turn the water into wine. They have seen him cleanse the lepers. They have seen him take blind men and make them to see, deaf men and cause them to hear. They've seen him raise the dead back to life, and here they stand with not enough faith that they're able to believe that he's able to feed a multitude. Thirdly, I want us to appraise the possibilities. Jesus said unto him, verse 37, Give ye them to eat. Now, we sit here tonight and we say, Well, I, they're in trouble. I see they got a problem. Well, what if you and I had to feed? What if Bethel, as a church, with a debt that we have, all the projects and missions that we got going on around here, trying to have a school, what if God said, I want Bethel, to feed 20,000 people. Guess I didn't get an amen in the house. I said, not an amen in the house. There's, oh, Lord, is he really calling us to do that? You, you see? And, and listen, we would probably start calling people and say, man, can we rake? How, can, can y'all make a donation? Can, can y'all send us a gift bag? Can, hey, can we get a few restaurants to give us discounts on meals? I mean, can we, I don't even know if we get enough people to deliver that much stuff up here. I mean, I mean we, we, we're going we're gonna to need uh, uh, what some of these services y'all use to, to bring you food and drop it off. Who, who can, we don't have enough people even here working to bring the food up here. Preacher Darren, what on earth are we going to do? These boys, with insufficient time, and inadequate resources in a remote location. They don't have a Wendy's. 
They don't have a Chick-fil-A. They don't have a McDonald's or a Burger King where you have it your way. They're in trouble. Jesus said, give you them to eat. It's a major problem that they're having here. What, listen, what are the ways that they had available to them to approach solving this problem? When I, when I worked in the corporate world, my job was to take troubles and solve them. That was my job. I worked in person department, receiving department. There'd be shortages and scraps and delays and, and, and I'm telling you, all kinds of, and you know who they're calling? The guy that's at the front end and the guy that's at the back end. And that's me. I've got the front end. Hey, we need to get it now. It's not due for next week. Work it out. Get it. I'm telling you, I've seen God do more miracles for me personally in the corporate world. I'm just telling you, logistically, some things are impossible and God can do things that are impossible. What? ways do they have to solve the problem I, I would put sometimes up a target a bullseye and I would have all these rings on the bullseye and I said well my job is to try to hit the middle but I may hit somewhere over here on the side that may be the best I can do amen but God never misses amen what is the approach Let, let's see the disciples what is their approach to solving first of all I, I think that they have probably the way we would recognize it they have a calloused approach you know what they said send them away we, we can't feed 20,000 people. Let, let them. It, how come 20,000 people is our problem? I'd probably sit back down here in the meeting and say, the Lord's told me we're supposed to feed 20,000 people. I doubt it. Preacher, I, I doubt God told you that. It's just you wanting to make a name for you. I doubt it. I, I, let them feed themselves. We'll preach to them. We, we'll have a good time with them. Huh? A calloused approach. Send them away. Here's the way we, this is the way we solve it. If the hungry people go away, problem goes away. Preacher Darren, we just cannot feed this crowd. You know what we want to do? We want to avoid the problem. Let's just ignore the problem. Let's just toss the problem back to them. The problem again is not the hungry people. The problem is our lack of faith. I remember standing before this church many years ago and said, God's told us it's time to add on. And I don't know what y'all think about it. God's called me to this point in my life. And I'm not good at raising money. And I don't know that I'm able. I'm not an architect. I'm not a construction guy. I don't know nothing about it. I remember walking to the side door and opening the door and standing outside the building, I said, if y'all feel led to build this building, you feel led to do it not because I'm your pastor. You feel led to do it because God called you to do it. They voted 100%. We feel like God's calling us to this moment. $1.9 million. How much preacher there? $1.9 million. And, and now, it's 200 and something thousand dollars. And thank God for that. Amen. Amen. But just what if God said, I want y'all to double it and do $3.8 million. Not amen in the house. And it was that very moment when I stood before the church and they were all really, really quiet. 
And I said that, and God said, okay, because they didn't believe me, you're doing it. You are doing it. I'm going to do it through you. And let me tell you something, you've not had a big hitter to come in here and lay down hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's been week by week, amen, a pillar to post. It's what it's been, amen. And God has worked it out every single time. I remember, I remember, thank you, Lord. I said, the woman with the meal barrel, she put her hand in there, woo, another handful. You watch TV, these TV evangelists tell you that the meal barrel's running out the top, open the lid, it's just pouring in the floor. I've never seen it. Every time I check my Bible, she's just putting a hand in there, getting a handful out. And when she got the last handful, guess what? Tomorrow, praise God, there's another handful. When they went and got mad at that time, they got just enough for today. Anything they tried to get extra, it wheeled it and went bad. They had to go back again tomorrow. I'm just telling you, our God's able. And though I didn't get an amen in the house when I said 3.8 million, y'all better start amening me because he say he may say, we're doing it. Well, y'all are on it now, amen. I remember that moment. Everybody said, he said this could cost us $1.5 million. So we, went, we went over. Oh, but we went over. There's also not just a calloused approach of passing the buck. I want to speak to that when the service is over. Remind me of this, Luke. Second of all, the calculating approach. They, got, they began to calculate. How many you got in this, this section? How many's in there? 50? And there's 100? Hey, Judas, you better count in the bag there, buddy. Let us know what's in the treasury. We're going to need to know, says Philip. He's a bean counter. How many you got? 50? You got a hundred? There's another hundred? Oh, we got about 20,000 people here. Judas, how much is in the bag? Not that much. That's what we do. You tell me you don't calculate your home budgets the same way. I got to figure this out. I just took a picture, every one of y'all. What about that? I got y'all on video. What about that? I didn't hit the button and it came up that way. I guess it just knew what I wanted. May I say this tonight? That calculating approach leaves God out. And I'm the worst in this building to do it. That was my job, to be a bean counter, coming in, going out. It's what I'm good at. I'm an, I'm an analyzer. I'm good. Let me tell you how good I am. I'm going to tell you how good I am. At. I can just sit down and tell you right now, it can't be done. This won't work. That's my job. Well, we're telling you, you've got to make it work. I'm just telling you, it's going. It's impossible. It just can't. That's me. And to be honest with you, that's you too. You look where you are now. And you go back, way back when. You tell me how you got here. Because of what you did. No. It's been God every step of the way. You'd have never calculated how to get to this moment. But God's been good. Amen. Praise God. I don't want to have the calloused approach. I don't want to have the calculating approach that leaves God out. You know what he used? He used the compassionate approach. He saw their need. Back to verse 34. He saw much people. He was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. Some people 
When they count heads, they see a crowd, they say, well, that's just a bunch of heads to count. That's just more problems to take care of. I've had preachers tell me, I don't want people joining my church. I don't need any more problems. I don't want any more things to take care of. I don't want new people. I've, I've had it at least five times in about six months. We don't want new people. We had a man in this church. He had a family member in Peoria, Illinois that had had a stroke that had paralyzed him. And they called me to pray here, and I prayed. They said, man, I just wish we could find somebody in Peoria, Illinois to anoint them with oil. Well, I said, well, I'll, I'll make some calls. I got on Google. Preacher, you what? I got on Google. And I started with A. I started with church with A and church with B. And you know what I heard? Preachers say, we're not going to see new people that we don't know. We don't want new people. I don't need any. I got enough to do already. How do you feel on your job? How do you feel on your job when your boss says, here, here's more for you to take care of? My hands are full already. Nobody ever realized that preacher's got his hands full already. The more people he gets in the school, more, he's got his hands full. Sonny, it was in, I was in over my head before I started. What's one more? Amen. God, God takes care of all of it. I called us and said, listen, we don't believe in that anyway. We don't believe in that anointing business. We don't want to believe in that. We don't do that. I heard it over and over and over. One guy, the secretary, said our pastor's out golfing right now. She said he's not going to call him back. Same thing every time. And finally, I remember standing here. I said, I just don't want to do. I'm about, I stood here on a Wednesday night and said, I'm about this close to going to Peoria, Illinois myself and anointing this person. And I got a call the next day and said, Preacher, was you serious about going to Peoria, Illinois, one of our church members? And I said, yeah, good, because I just bought a ticket for you to go to Peoria, Illinois. No more callous approach. No more calculating. I can't afford a ticket. I, it's already bought and purchased. I said, there's one little thing. I'm going with you. I want to see what God's going to do. We flew to Peoria, Illinois. We, we Chicago, Chicago, help us, Jesus. Got a car. I love y'all. Got a car, drove to Peoria, Illinois. Went in there to where she was paralyzed. Took my anointing oil from the church here. Anointed this lady with oil. Not one single thing happened. I got down on my face in the nasty hospital floor. How many of y'all going to get in the hospital floor? And wallowed it out and rolled around and begged God. Lord, I've come all this way. Do it, Lord. Help us, God. Not one thing happened. Man, I remember hugging them, walking down that hall, and the devil jumped on my shoulder and said, You have wasted your time. They don't want you in Peoria, Illinois. They really don't want you in Spruce Pine, North Carolina either. And your God cannot hear you and does not exist. What a waste. And I listened to him. And I got in the car and I put my seatbelt on and we started down through cornfield after cornfield headed back for the airport. And my phone rang. Preacher Darren? Yes? You got your seatbelt on? Yeah, I'm driving right now. You need to put your crash helmet on. Why? Uh, I'm about to call you back. The doctor's just coming in. No, 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 no. I'm going to edge my seat. Call me back about what? Said, she set up. What? She set up on the side of the bed. She's got her hands up over her head. She's kicking both her feet. We don't know what. Hey, the doctor's, I got to call you back. What? What? 
thought about had a spell. I was weeping, crying. I had to pull over and wait for the phone to ring, wait for the phone to ring. They call me back and says, you want to talk to her? Woo, preacher Darren, praise God he's done it. The doctors came back in and said, listen, you're not going to be able to stay here anymore. You're going to have to go to another place. You're, not, you're too well to be here. At Thanksgiving, she got an airline ticket, flew down here, sat in the back of this church, and stood up and said, Preacher Dan, do you remember me? I said, boy, do I ever, amen. I'm telling you, amen, the compassionate approach is the way we need to go, amen. That's not in my notes, amen. But, but sometimes God just kicks your excuses out. When it's time to go $1.9 million a day, well, preacher Darren, I just don't believe in debt. You go out, I go out, I've had preachers after preachers. Yeah, I don't believe in debt. I just feel like God's just going to give you $1.9 million. Where's your faith then? Well, they still ain't built their building. Amen. Meanwhile, God just about got this one taken care of. Amen. Hallelujah. He's able, amen, if you'll try the compassionate approach. Amen. That's number three, appraising the possibilities. He saw their heartache. He saw their grief. Fourthly, we need to be accessing the potential. Jesus' words again. He says in verse 38, after they presented all their excuses, he says, how many loaves have ye? They, they looked at each other. You bring any bread? Well, Caleb, you got any bread? Preacher Josh, you got any bread? Jared, you bring bread? Tony, you bring bread? What's wrong with you boys not bringing bread to the service? What's wrong with y'all? We've got, hey, anybody else got any bread? Preacher Tyler, you got any bread? Brother Bob, did you bring any bread tonight? Brother Rick, Rich, Raj, Brother Adam, has anybody got a loaf of bread? I'm going to fall out if you do, amen. He said, have you any loaves? Their answer was, no. Look what he said, three words. Go and see. Where are we going to go? Walmart's closed. They never opened, amen. They didn't want to put one in that location. It was too remote. I'm just telling you, go and see. And they went through the crowd. You got any bread? You got any bread? You got any bread? You got any bread? And finally, Andrew, a little boy, said, well, My mama packed my lunch. I got five little wafers crackers and I got two sardine fish amen he said can you give that to Jesus sure comes walking through the crowd hey Lord we have five barley loaves barley barley that's poor man's that's the poorest man's grain five barley can you just hear him when he says it barley loaves they're crackers they're wafers, barley, they're not even Ritz. They're not saltines, amen. They're barley wafers. This is poor man's wafers. And we've got two fish, sardines. I hate sardines. How about y'all? I just hate to smell them. I hate to look at them. I hate for anybody to get them out around me. Amen. I started to preach tonight. I started preaching tonight on the, on the miracle of the menace and the muffins. I gave that title to Luke and Luke said, Dad, it's going to be good. God is in the menace and God is in the muffins. And then look, appraise the possibilities and access the potential. Look what Andrew said. 
He, well, we're not right. He said, but what are they among so many? The little boy gave what he had. Verse 38, when they knew, they said, five and two fishes. He gave what he had. Can I ask you a question? What do you have? Preacher, we've already discussed this. I don't have any bread tonight. But let's talk about what do you have in your life right now that God could use for his glory. Is your soul saved? Does your mouth work? Does your hands have the ability? Do your feet still walk? then God has given you some gifts and some enablements that he can empower and send you out. And you and him together can accomplish all things. May I say this tonight? I hope I get an amen. God wants what you have to be put in his hands. That little boy had five loaves and two fishes to feed him lunch. That's all it would have done. It would been good for him. But when he put it in Jesus' hands, whoo, he fed 20,000 people. Explain that to me. You theologians, share with me how this happened. Well, preacher, I just don't believe that happened. I think just some story that they made up. Well, honey, I'm just telling you that Jesus can still feed the hungry tonight. Matthew 14, Matthew 14, I like this verse. Matthew 14, turn there, turn there, turn there, turn there. Matthew 14, help me, Jesus, verse number 18. Matthew 14, verse 18. Look at this verse. Hope they'll put it up. Ooh, hey man, well, glory to God. Look what Jesus said. Bring them hither to me. God given you a gift. God given you a talent. You have the ability to sing. You have the ability to speak. You have the ability to preach. You have the ability to teach. You have the ability to testify and to witness. You have the ability to work. God says, bring it hither to me. What you have, put it in the master's hands. Watch what he'll do with it. Through you. Hallelujah to God. Last of all, and I'm done. Number five. Let's look at him back in Mark chapter six as he is asserting the plan. I feel like I've been all over the place tonight. Asserting the plan. Verse 39. He commanded them, he's telling his disciples, make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. What? They ain't got no tables. They don't have a coffee table or a nightstand or a dining room table or a china hutch. They don't have any paper plates. He says, make them to sit down in the green grass. That's faith. And the disciples, they took them and they sat them down in ranks. Well, preacher, right there is where I got a problem. By ranks. They probably put the different divisions of people based on their race and their ethnicity. No, they did not. They set the men folk with the men folk in groups of 50 or 100 and the women folk with the women folk in groups of 50 or 100 and their little youngins with them. I'm just telling you, they set them down to organize it. He said, organize it because when we hand this out, it's going to go a whole lot smoother. 
Amen. There won't be no stampede. Nobody's going to be pushing and running over each other. They'll say, I've been here first. I was the first one here. Set them down by faith. Arrange them. Organize them. Woo. What's this? Verse 41. When he had taken the five loaves, the little boy put it in the master's hands. When he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven, to the heavenly father. And what he did? He blessed it. That means he's giving thanks, Father. Thank you for this meal that you provided. Oh, he didn't provide it, preacher Darren. That little lad provided it. There was a woman one time, little old elderly lady. She didn't. She's widowed. Didn't have a whole lot. And uh, man, she's she oftentimes down her down her apartment downstairs. She's praising God and singing. And 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 an atheist lived upstairs. Man, he hated to hear that woman pray. He hated to hear that woman sing. He couldn't stand her. And one time she was down begging. God, I need groceries. Lord, you know I'm broke. God, you don't have nothing. God, send somebody. Please, God, help me. This poor little widow woman needs your help. That atheist said, ha, what's this? He went out and bought her a bunch of groceries, four or five bags, brought it back to her apartment, rung the doorbell, and stepped out of the way. And she went with, whoa, look at this. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for these groceries. I've been praying for these groceries. The atheist stepped up and says, now. Your Jesus didn't provide you these groceries. I brought them to you. What do you got to say now? She goes, Woo, thank you, Lord. You even made the devil pay for them. The Lord took that food, five loaves of two fishes. He blessed it. Thank God for it. And then the Bible, look with me. Then the Bible says he broke the loaves. He gave them to his disciples to set before them, and the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did eat, and they were filled. They just get a little bite, a little handful. Um, they got fat and sassy. Even had to push back and belch. I'm just telling you, they were completely filled up. Just amazing. How the Lord just kept breaking and breaking and breaking and distributing. And, and the disciples said, well, I'm just about out. I'm just about out. I'm just about out. What? I'm just about out. Well, here's two more. I'm, I'm just about out. What? I mean, the Lord just kept going and going and going. I'm telling you, you can't run him out, amen. You can't run him out. He is he's inexhaustible, amen. I'm glad. Thank God he broke his body. Glory to God that we might be saved. And I'm telling you, there's not one sinner he can't save. Honey, there's no problem he can't solve. He's able to do all things. Amen. Verse 43, they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. The word baskets in the uh, Greek is the word kofinos or kofinos. It, it means coffin, like a coffin. It's coffin size. Six feet, seven feet, by three and a half, four feet wide. That little boy's lunch wouldn't have filled one of them baskets to start with. How you going to put five barley wafers and two sardines, two minners, down there in a, in a coffin-sized basket and fill 12 of them? This is after they ate. This is after they got full. They took up 12 I'm telling you, Judas wasn't going to let that go to waste. One for every one of them disciples. I'm sure the little boy, he probably had plenty. said, Mommy, Mommy, can you imagine his testimony when he came home? Mommy, Mommy, that's the best lunch you ever fixed me. Jesus took it and fed 20,000 people with it, Mama. 
Hallelujah, how he blessed the minister. Woo, hallelujah. Verse 44, and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. Jesus is more than enough to meet your needs. He is, listen, he is filled, according to verse 34, he is filled with loving compassion when he sees you and he sees me. He understands our needs. And listen, he desires to meet your needs because when he does, it brings him glory. Amen? So quit feeding off the crumbs of the world and sit down at the master's table. Son, he has plenty to take care of you with. I like to sing that song. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. Amen? There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. When you put it in Jesus' hands, honey, little is much. He alone can satisfy. He alone can sustain. He alone can supply. Honey, he's more than able tonight. Amen? Do you believe that? You stand to your feet tonight. Father, I thank you tonight for your goodness. Lord, there's a crowd here tonight. I couldn't feed them, but I believe you can. So we stood up, Father, to just open our mouth and let you disperse the bread where it needs to go. And Father, there's people here that they have needs. They have physical issues. There are spiritual needs. You know all about it. Father, you know how to deal with my faith and my heart and my soul. You know how to deal with this church. God, you know how to supply her every need. Lord, I look back and I just want to say to you, I'm so thankful. That you have brought us to where you brought us. I'm so thankful for a people who said we want what God wants. And Lord, they stepped out to follow you. And Lord, though some has left us since then, many others you've sent in to fill their place and then some. And God, some still here and stayed the whole time and seen the handiwork of God. And Lord, I bow my head tonight to say, Lord, I sure am grateful. I sure am thankful. I have found you to be more than enough. And Lord, tonight, what little I have, I want to put it in your hands. God, I want you to use my life. God, this little ministry that you gave me to preach, God, would you use it for your glory? Help us, God, give us wisdom and understanding about how to teach and to preach and to try to be a blessing to your people. Use us, God. There are many ministries that this church is involved in. Bless it, God, I pray. It's in your hands, Lord. You do what you need to. In Jesus' name.